let me just say, hey, we're we're thankful for a win. We're six and zero and three and zero. You know, they're they're obviously much improved as as I said all week. And uh, you know, it's it's a hard place to win here. We've never done that, and we were able to accomplish that. Uh, it was. Um, I told our team, you know, our offense was awesome in the first half. They stunk in the second half. Our defense stunk in the first half. They were awesome in the second half. And I thought, <coughs> I thought our special teams kicking stunk all, all all game. And so we put ourselves in bad positions. And the penalties were just awful for us at 13. Uh, but, uh, you know, we found a way. You know, we found a way to hold them out of the end zone in the fourth quarter there. And we got the huge drive there at the end of the game. We were backed up. Grayson to Sam, there was just a huge play in the game. And uh, we're thankful to come back home to Conway with a win. It wasn't easy, but um, with what this team's been through and the challenges, uh, pretty excited about being 6-0 and and, and uh, Bo Wells going to be at 3-0 in the league. Yeah, there it is. Head coach of Coastal Carolina, Jamie Chadwell, telling us his offense was bad, his defense was bad, the kicking game was bad. Guys, they're so bad that they're 6-0. And three and zero in the conference. I, I don't know about you. I would love to suck that bad. Yeah, you know that's what I like about uh, coaches like or any coach in, in college football. No matter how good they play, it's just oh everything was bad. I don't know how we escaped with a win. We must we we we're gonna have to double down for next week because the opponent's just gonna be that much tougher. But yeah, that was a good. You know what? That was a good win in Malone. I had the Warhawks. As my big upset pick, and you lost me five dollars, Thibodeau. I expect to get that back from you. You should have taken the spread. <laughs> I did actually. I did take the spread, and I, I, I didn't want to say it that way. I did win, so I did take. <laughs> Shane, did you take the money line? I didn't take anything. I should, I should know though. I, I pointed it out last week. Those cross division games with the travel are tough on people. Like, you know, Coastal escapes. App State gets. You know, handed to them, it's tough. Hey, so do in, we, in the words of Billy Napier, "Scared money don't make money." <laughs> I think we need to talk a little bit, guys, about the Mountaineers. And I, I wrote in my little uh, column about things we learned from the Sun Belt this week that the Mountaineers have pretty much become the Cajuns of the East. Is that a fair assessment, Shane Metlin? Huh? In what way? <laughs> And like that the expectations were up there this year and they're not meeting them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's, it's becoming a fair assessment. This is not what I expected from app state. And yeah, this is not what I expected from them so far. You know, I think it was easier to see the decline in the cages, right? Because we, we saw so many guys, they had a head coach leave. They had a, mm-hmm. a quarterback not coming back. So they had to trade a new quarterback. So those of us in the know, <clears throat> Fun Belt Podcast, we knew the Cajuns were going to have some problems. Right, Tibbs? Back me up. Yeah, the Cajuns definitely have problems. <laughs> yeah. But, you, you know, what they said, I mean, having watched them, the defense is legit. The offense is moving the ball. It, it, I, I can't quite put my finger on it of, of what, what it is that they're missing. Are you talking about the Mountaineers or the Cajuns? Yes, both. <laughs> but I have not seen the Mountaineers in person. The, the, the Cajuns have the, the right pieces, it looks like. They just don't play together. Mm. The orchestra's there, but everybody's doing their own thing. Well, maybe that's leadership. I don't know. So, but the, that doesn't explain the Mountaineers, does it? I mean, Shane, have you have you you've seen some of their games? You saw what happened: James Madison versus uh, uh, 
versus uh, the Mountaineers. And then I don't know if anybody was able to see James or uh, Texas State and the Mountaineers. Medlin, explain what's going on with these guys. I, I wish I had an explanation. It's just, you know, I really thought they were a notch above the rest of the East. And yes. As good as the division was, I thought, like, you know, App State's the team that's going to get through there with one or two losses and win the division. And they just have not been able to play a whole game yet this year. Yeah. I mean, you take the Citadel or, you know, whoever it was they played out of it, like, just haven't played a full game yet this year. And I don't know why. Yeah, and needed a miracle to beat Troy. I think <clears throat> there might be a top 10 curse on the Sun Belt, Thibodeau. You know, you got Marshall, who's looked terrible since beating Notre Dame, two and three, uh, uh, two, two, uh, one and three. No, no, one and two since that time. I'm sorry. One, one win, two losses. That wouldn't come in against uh, Gardner Webb. And then looking even or just as bad in a lot of ways have been the Mountaineers, you know, kind of just struggling through. So is there a curse? Is it, Hey, Tibbs, do you remember back in the day? You wouldn't remember this, Shane, because you, you weren't in the sun. You, you're just now in the sun belt. But there was a time when we would talk to ourselves and say, what's better to beat like a really big power five team, but not win the conference? Or is it better to win the conference and get blown out by a big power five team? We're kind of seeing the opposite now. Maybe it's just better to win the conference than to beat these teams. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I you think... even back to that 2012 team for ULM, they they open up with the, the win of Arkansas. It was number six at the time. Then they dropped two straight, losing to Auburn, losing to Baylor at one and two, to where it by the time that that Baylor game was over, that Arkansas win, by then Arkansas you had already seen was a train wreck. Yeah, but it was it was a distant memory that they had beaten a top sixteen or a top ten team. And how they do? I, I help me remember how they do in conference that year. They did not even win the conference. They were third place. Yeah, yeah. So it was like one of those magic moments. But I really thought Marshall and Appalachian State were going to be two teams that really carried the Sun Belt. And I'm a little <laughs> bit in dismay that they've not played so well. Yeah, it's surprising. And I mean, I think we're also seeing that Notre Dame and Texas A&M were not actual top 10 teams, but A&M should have beaten number one Alabama. That I mean, and then you're looking at, then I don't know what to say about anything related to App State. I just, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Or, or maybe it's a commentary on, on football in general, Shane. I mean, maybe we've gotten to the point where truly anybody can beat anybody which is how a Texas state beats the Mountaineers, which is how a mm -hmm. apparently mediocre uh, 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 Marshall team can beat Notre Dame. You know, maybe, maybe we've just come to that point where on any given Saturday, a team can come up and win. And that wasn't the case 10 years ago. Yeah. And if that continues, that's going to make a 12 team playoff an awful lot of fun because I don't think anybody was thinking number 12 was going to beat number one anytime soon but it looks a little more possible at this point I and mean, yeah. i don't know maybe not you know it's also weird that like a, a team from the S fcs tibs like just some random team from the fcs from the east coast that maybe you have maybe some idea about because you, you've heard a couple news stories but they're not nationally prominent because they're they're not in the fbs they suddenly come into the fbs and now they're in the top 25. Have you heard this story? 
No, because the team you're talking about, they they were perennial FCS powerhouse anyway. I mean, I, I, I hate to use the analogy of Nebraska because that's kind of a train wreck this year, but I think Nebraska historically has been a, a top 25, top 20 team. Right there, James Madison has been in the FCS ranks. I think it was them and North Dakota State really just kind of duking it out, no pun intended, for the national title. Yeah. Yeah, and, but, yeah go ahead. I'm sorry. Matt. I mean, you're right about that, but we're talking we're, – we're three huge sports fans having this conversation. The level of exposure JMU is getting right now from being number 25 in – FBS compared to being number one in FCS is not even close. And, you know, they're, they're touting like the uh, interactions and numbers and ex- value of the exposure and everything right now. And it's, it's pretty amazing how big of a difference it is just as far as people noticing JMU football right now that maybe weren't, maybe weren't going to ever pay attention to FCS, no matter how good, you know, JMU and North Dakota state were. Yeah, absolutely. We I've seen, like citizens of the FCS, uh, like the, the fan bases are rabid for the FCS, love the playoff system there. We'll remember who's national champions from 20, 30, 40 years ago. We'll talk about those games, but you're absolutely right. You would cut, crack that top 25 in the FBS, and that is big time. So <laughs> I can't, yeah. I, so, how, you know what? Here's Tibbs, I'd be interested to see what you think, but it, when Georgia Southern came into the mix and they're winning all these games right away there was a lot of moxie with georgia southern and some of that moxie was a little toxic i I don't want to like really call out a fan base but some of those guys are under i've received no good naturedness from james madison fans what about you tibbs have you have you seen any like like just all of a sudden just snotty james madison fans who have come up with oh well of course we're number 25 we should be number one right no i haven't ran across any of them but the only two james madison people i've really dealt with are shane and noah so you know we 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 kind of i guess have the cream of the crop there uh you know we did have a good interaction there with the guys of uh jmu sports blog definitely liked their show and and, and listened to their podcast but yeah, they're definitely a different breed than, than what we saw from Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern was coming in, though, off of that previous year where they beat Florida. I remember uh, ULM was there for the senior night, and every every stat that they called out was, here's such and such with so many tackles and was a key com- uh, contributor to the Florida upset win last year. And, you know, this person, <laughs> he had three tackles against Florida last year. And, you know, it's like, what, what are you talking about? I'll tell you what right now, though, the Sunbelt fans are not getting the brunt of it from JMU fans. JMU fans are very happy to be in the Sunbelt. There's a little bit of back and forth with ODU and App State right now. But for the most part, they're too happy to be in the conference to really be jerks to anybody. They're letting uh, Virginia and Virginia Tech fans have it right now. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Please give all the shit you can to Liberty, too, as well. That, that, that would be great. By the way, I, I don't want to leave thinking that Georgia Southern fans are jerks. After uh, a couple of years of, of sort of poor performance, they became a lot more humble and a lot more nice to kind of realize, okay, there's some ebbs and flows that happen in the, uh, in the world of football, especially in the group of five. So they've been a lot less volatile. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad, pleased to see that James Madison has kept the 
uh, the fans have kept a, a, a sort of evenness about them. So, guys, we're at the mid-season, midpoint of yeah. the season. Yep. Before the year started, would you have guessed that the top passers in the league were going to be Kyle Vantrese of Georgia Southern, Gunnar Watson of Troy, and then Chase Bryce of App, and then Grayson McCall of Coastal? Todd Teo rounds out the top five. Would you have guessed that that was going to be your pecking order of the best quarterbacks in the league through the first half of the season? Absolutely not. The fact that Gunnar Watson, who I believe is injured now, uh, I think uh, that uh, Dougal, Dagle, Jared Dougal, the Western Kentucky uh, transfer, yeah. he's starting this week. But uh, I think Gunnar might be hurt. But I did not expect Watson to be the leading passer. I certainly didn't expect a guy from Georgia Southern to be number two. I really did expect it to be Bryce and uh, and um, uh, Grayson McCall. And then Santana, who who would have – I mean, we didn't know much about after I've seen him personally, I can see why. Matlin, who would you have thought would have been the top quarterback going in? I – if we're talking straight yardage, I'm surprised it's not McCall just because, you know, he's thrown for so many yards before they're going to lean on him heavy. You know, <clears throat> if we're going, I'm, I'm separating best quarterback with the most yardage right now um, because I don't think the guys who are throwing for the most yardage are the best quarterbacks in the league, but it is impressive. They're putting up those kinds of numbers, but I, I would have thought it'd been McCall. It doesn't surprise me as much that Bryce might be a little bit down there because you knew they were going to run the ball a little bit more. Um, they have those deep stable running backs. That doesn't surprise me so much. I still think he's, you know, one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league probably, but it's a deep, deep league with quarterbacks play. I mean, <clears throat> we're talking about yardage right now, but you can find almost any stat and the top 25, top 50 in the country are littered with Sunbelt quarterbacks. And it's, it's pretty yeah, Whether it's per, uh, percentage completely, or yeah, com- completion percentage, or whether yeah. it's touchdowns, whether it's yards, the Sun Belt really has been there. And what's funny is, is when the season started, quarterback was a big weakness of the Sun Belt. Completely wrong on that. Yeah, I mean, Kersignetti today in his press conference with the local media, you know, kind of started breaking down a little bit why Todd Santeo was not a good fit at Colorado State, where he came from, with the new coaching staff there, and. You know, he's much better out of the shotgun than, you know, they were trying to put him under center. And uh, he's just much more comfortable at JMU, and you're seeing the performance. Yeah, you know, I I like the way he kind of balances his game with his feet and with his arm. And they're both very good. He just had some very accurate passes uh, going into the game. It was actually uh, pretty fun to watch him play. Now, it wasn't it wasn't fun at first, but after a while, you just had to stand back and appreciate his brilliance. Centennial is a really good quarterback. Uh, you saw great. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's definitely the legit one. I think that, you know, as it gets closer to the draft, you're going to hear all the intangibles of why he can't be drafted. He's, he's not tall enough. Maybe he has another Ricky Williams. He has, his hands are too small or whatever. But he's he's a, he's a great quarterback, great leader on the field, definitely able to extend the plays, able to make the the good vertical passes. He's legit. But but coming into the season, a guy that I think 
I would have expected a little bit more of to be in that top five would have been Carter Bradley of South Alabama. We saw last year that they were a straight mm-hmm. aerial attack and, and just slung the ball around. I don't know why that didn't carry over to this year. I mean, yes, they, they lost Jalen Talbert, but they still have Jalen Wade, the other Jalen, that gives them the big, big play, the big playmaker that they have to be able to move the ball. I don't have the stats in front of me, but from what I understood, Carter was still pretty good up there. Am I correct, or am I? So, so kind of, kind of the margin. He has uh, right around thirteen hundred yards. Okay. Van Trees is is pushing two thousand. <laughs> that is so nuts. <laughs> Grayson McCall is is right around the sixteen hundred mark. So, I mean. Is, is he way off? No, but it, it's just someone I expected maybe a couple more big games to, to kind of push him into that top five. Is there a four storyline <laughs> from the Sun Belt? After yeah, the three story. Yeah. Breakthrough, the quarterbacks being exceptional and app and Louisiana not being what we thought they were going to be. Is there a fourth major storyline? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that really the, the other storyline to me there were questions about whether or not these new teams were going to fit in. And, and I think, yeah, hands down, they did. Even if you look at what is, is maybe the worst of the new teams of Southern Miss, I still dread that matchup against them to close out the season that, that I think ULM is going to struggle heartily with the Eagles. I think everybody's going to struggle with the Eagles because I think that they finally kind of found their groove. They found a quarterback in Wilkie. The, the, the pieces are coming together. It may not be this year where, where they're, at six and six and bowl eligible, but, but it's right around the corner. Yeah. I think, I think you're right about that. I think, you know, all four teams have fit in well and beyond what they've done on the field, just the culture seems to be a perfect fit for this league. Um, you know, you've got fan bases excited to go to these games, you know, the fans from each of these four new schools are, are churning out for their games. They've more or less done it on the field. Um, so I mean, I think you're, I think you're right on about that. How about another team that hasn't quite made expectations, and that's Georgia State. They're so weird to me. Like, you know, it looks like they're done with the 0-4 star. It looks like they've packed it in and are done. And then they come out and they win a couple of like, you know, fairly impressive wins. I mean, they're not the best teams they've played all year, but you know, Army even in a down year, Army's going to give people trouble because they throw something completely different at you. And then I thought Georgia Southern was a better team, frankly. And, you know, it didn't yeah. look like it Saturday. Georgia, Georgia, State Georgia State's channeling their inner uh, Old Dominion, it looks like. <laughs> well, they seem like a team that always starts slow anyway. It's like every year they kind of disappoint and then they have to claw themselves back into, into dangerous territory. When do their fans, as many as they have, like begin to like not put up with that. I mean, those slow starts. I mean, if, if they're winning seven or eight games and starting zero and four every year, when do their fans start to say like, why aren't we winning 10 games? Why don't we come to play in September? But that's been one of the, the consistent things of Georgia State from the get, that they've always been slow out of the gate. Yeah, I, but I'm saying how long do their fans put up with that? If the ones that actually care, you know, 
or do you just stack the front end of that? You play Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Miami, and then that way it's like, yeah, well, of course we're 0-4. We have all this money, but, you know, well, yeah. we played. That would be one thing. But, I mean, they should have beat North Carolina. Like, I, I don't know. They're, they're hard for me to figure out, like, what you're going to get from that. Yeah, I see what Shane's saying. Uh, eventually the, the boosters and the diehard Georgia State fans are going to want to see more than just a Georgia State team that ekes into bowl contention territory. Uh, and, and they really shouldn't – they should be a better team than that. They've got facilities. They've got money. They've got plenty of, of students, even if they're not vested in the team. They, they should be playing better. And uh, eventually I think it comes out. But, yeah, I think, Shane, you're right. Uh, you can't just keep expecting to build a – I mean – Here's what happens when you start slow, you lose the fan base. You know, it, it's hard to bring them back. It, it's the same thing with Arkansas State. If if we could have easily been um, three at uh, one instead of one and three, if we had been three and one, you would have seen a full stadium against JMU, but we weren't, and so that's what happens. So Georgia State will never get that big following until. They start starting fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, the difference to me is that Arkansas State is in year two where <laughs> you start to become competitive, but maybe you're not winning those games. Whereas Georgia State had a decent record last year, but it's the same thing all over again with a slow start. And that I think would have to be frustrating to me if I was a fan of Georgia State. I, I you know, like you said, you, you're checked out before they even really get started. Yep. Are you implying you're not a Georgia State fan there, Shane? No, nah. I mean, not that, not that I dislike Georgia State. I'm just, you know, it's not going to bother me either way what they do. <laughs> I want Georgia State. I tell you what, I want Georgia State to be successful because it is a large market. And if Georgia State does well, I, I, I feel like that would that would reflect well on the Sun Belt. But it, whatever reason, <laughs> I, 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 they're getting getting closer they're getting closer it's like a little like south alabama although me south alabama really making that turn this year um but um yeah i really would like to see georgia state i really would like to see some georgia state fanatics to tell you the truth we only know one don't the one and only <laughs> powerful ben moore a very big uh voice for georgia state but you know like if we're playing georgia state uh, i never get a bunch of guys following me on Twitter, trash talking me about Georgia State. I don't get that. I get that from almost any other team but Georgia State. I'll start creating some burner accounts for you. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe we can get some rivalries going. Yes, I. They, now when it comes to Georgia State, Georgia Southern, which by the way, that you're right, Shane, that was a that was an impressive win for Georgia State. I, I thought Georgia Southern was going to come in there and whip that ass, but that didn't happen. So congratulations for Georgia State. All right, guys, we, we've talked about last week, which was a really good week of football, boys. It was really pretty good. But this week, I think it's going to be even better. Really, a lot of juicy matchups. So I think it's time, guys, to circle the wagons and do some second and short. No? Yeah, second and short? Bring it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, so second and short starts a little earlier this uh, time. Yeah, we have a game on Wednesday, boys. It's Louisiana at Marshall. Two, two 
teams that are in desperate need of a win. It's at 6.30, ESPN2. I'm going to throw it over to you first, Shane. Shane, when are we going to see from Marshall? I think maybe they're slowly climbing out of their hole a little bit. I, I don't know. I I like Marshall in this one. Louisiana seems like it's just going to struggle with the new new system. New, new, not the new system, but new coach, new quarterback. I think Marshall can get one, maybe start getting a little bit on track here. Hey, is it because Marshall's going to be the home team, though? Or do you think that there's that there's some sort of, of uh, corner that was turned after beating Gardner-Webb 28-7? to I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's tough because neither one of these teams is really exciting anybody right now, right? Right? I mean, it's it's tough. I think yeah, the home field helps. I think, yeah, getting the victory, even if it wasn't the most impressive one, helps. I just think maybe they have, with that, they have a slight bit of momentum compared to a struggling cage team. So, Tibbs, the the herd is is a ten and a half point favorite. Is that is that accurate for Louisiana, who's coming in Sun Belt champions, coming in the Marshall? I think so. The Marshall thundering herd defense has has really shined brighter than their offense. Defense is second in the league only surrendering 16.2 points a game, and that includes all of their money games that they've had. They also have a better offense. Thunder and Herd 8th, Cajuns 10th. I like the Thunder and Herd to roll in this one. Yeah, you know, I do too. I I, I, I don't know. I can't pinpoint what's going on with the Cajuns. Uh, that loss to Rice was puzzling, and then they got 0 for 2 in the conference. And now they're at the bottom. I I, I just gotta imagine it's just all that stuff that we had said before. Lost the with new quarterback again, and bringing in a new head coach that's just too hard to get over. I say go ahead. I, I agree with you guys. Pick the herd and points. all right. So then we flash forward to Saturday, which which is good. I, I like games on Saturday. Week some games, especially on a Wednesday, it just seems too too far away from Saturday. First game on the dock happens at 11 a.m. on the East Coast. It's Old Dominion at Coastal Carolina. Should be a pretty good game. 11 a.m. on ESPNU. Uh, we're going to see how this game. We're going to see a lot of defense. Uh, I mean, ODU brings a lot of defense, typically. Right? <laughs> Will they be able to slow down Grayson McCall, as we talked about earlier? I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, looking at the 12 and a half point spread, what I'm seeing sounds about right with the uh, coastal seems to be getting a little bit better every week. Yeah. And they also have some sort of pact with the devil that is, is keeping them in close games and then help, helping them find a way to win. Tibbs, you, you watched that game firsthand against ULM. How was ULM not able to close that game? How come they weren't able to overcome coastal Carolina? Uh, it was definitely some Bayou voodoo on, on some of those plays. I have no idea how Grayson McCall escaped. I like I like the beach chickens in this one, especially with it being at home. I I, I think they rolled a seven and zero and keep improving their uh, bowl stock. Do you think it's twelve and a half points though? I mean, that's a pretty big spread. Yeah, I, I, I think because it's in Conway, I think Grayson McCall and company can can uh, easily put this game away and, and, and cover that twelve points. Well, just bear in mind, before you, you say that with such confidence, the only team that 
that Coastal Carolina really put away this year, uh, at least by my estimate, has been Georgia State. They just barreled over Georgia State. I don't know if they do the same thing. We don't. We do know that Old Dominion is not an offensive team. Uh, we do know that they are good at creating turnovers. Uh, at, they but Old Dominion only scores 21 points per game. Coastal Carolina. At I, I saw an interesting stat today. Uh, they score or they gain amongst the most yards per play. I think they're gaining seven yards per play. So even though they're not uh, blowing out opponents, they are blowing out the yardage. So yeah, I guess that's right. I guess twelve and a half points for the chance. So. Right. Oh, here's going to be a good game, guys, because we've got like a new challenger in the West. Texas State at Troy, two thirty p.m. ESPN three. Does Texas State have enough magic to not only destroy uh, the mountain, but to also uh, Trojans? I'm going to put this to Thibodeau. Uh, As we said in our Fun Belt 5 this past week, where the Bobcats were number five, <laughs> who is this team and what have you done with our Boobcats? I, I don't know what happened to them last week, but I think going to Troy – they're, they're going to see an uphill battle. I do think that the, the Bobcats do make it competitive, but I think Troy at home, even with a new quarterback, is just too much. Uh, veteran Stadium, it's so hard to win. Here's one thing that that me a little bit of pause. Gunnar Watson is not in this game. Uh, it'll be a Jared Doge. Uh, Gunnar Watson got hurt in the Western Kentucky game. Jared came in, uh, cleaned up that was a Kentucky game. That was the, the starter versus Southern Miss. I didn't notice it until the end of the game. It wasn't that great. You know, he, it, it was the defense that, of course, Troy uses to beat Southern Miss. And it's actually, um, it was defense that Texas State used to beat the Mountaineers. Uh, Shane, should I be worried or even con- concerned in the least that Southern are Watson behind center? I mean, they're probably the team with the least concerns in the league about putting their backup quarterback out there when he's, I think, the uh, FBS's leading all-time or active passing leader. Um, but Gunnar Watson was having a good year, so I, I think that's a loss for them. Um, but I, I do, I think I like Troy at home in this one. Um, maybe not as solidly as I would have if they still had Gunnar Watson ready to go, but. Um, I think they will be able to pull someone out at home. Face it, guys. It's, it's still the Bobcats, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. Viva. Viva La <laughs> uh, I know that's not fair. And quite frankly, Texas State played a tremendous game against the Mountaineers. Uh, I, I, I suspect that everybody is getting some sort of mental health evaluation in Boone, uh, North Carolina right now. Uh, I'm sure they're having a hard time coping with that. But 16 points for the Trojans. We think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good estimation from Vegas. I think that's fair. I think a two score. With a Jane, you think change. Change. I, I can see. I can see the Bobcats covering. That. Okay. I can't think that too. I, I don't know why they've let me down on that that before, but we'll see. All right. So our first ranked game of. Uh, of the season, well, I mean, with a Sunbelt team ranked number twelve, James Madison visits Statesboro and just uh, Georgia Southern, three p.m. on ESPN Plus. 
Correct me if I'm wrong, Shane, but is there some history between Georgia Southern and Dickinson Madison? There is, but it goes back a long way. They haven't played in, I think, 30 years. Oh, wow. Uh, JMU hasn't beaten Georgia Southern since, I think, somebody told me today, 1985. Um, so um, there's some history back in those, you know, 1AA days. Um, but back then, Georgia Southern was an absolute powerhouse, and JMU was not to what they were in the 21st century. Um, so it's a, it's a different, definitely different, different dynamic. You got to be, a, you got to be an old school fan of either team to remember those games. So one thing that I felt with Arkansas State playing JMU, if there's one thing that you can do against James Madison, you can't do it well, but you can do it, is you can pass on James Madison. Can the Eagles maybe with their great passing attack maybe have a chance here? I think they're going to put some points up. The thing is that Kyle Van Treese has been throwing interceptions, and if I mean if JMU gets a few of those, you, you know they're going to be able to match the drive for drive. I feel like and the turnovers. You know, Georgia Southern is going to have to cut down on their turnovers. They're going to hang around in this one, in my opinion. It's tipping out of the Dukes or eleven point favorites. Too low or too high. Too low. I, I I think the Dukes have kind of hit their stride, and they're they're just. I don't want to make it sound like it's downplaying them, but I think they're just kind of going through the motions there. I, I think that they uh, go through it. Santeo has another big game. Uh, Percy has another big game, and it, it's just all Dukes. Yeah, you know, Coach Signetti doesn't seem like a guy who just goes through the motions anymore. <laughs> he just seems like a guy who's who's bent on on blood and revenge. I, I think you're right, kids. I, I think maybe 11 points is not enough for the Dukes. But uh, I, I, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I, I, I think Georgia Southern's a tough team. Oh, woo. All right, I love this next game, kids. ULM at South Alabama, 6 p.m., NFL Network. Uh, Tibbs, I just don't know what your, what your uh, opinion is on this game. You know I love the governor, and I think the governor <laughs> has the jaggy wires on the right path. But I think this is the week that ULM finally breaks the three-year road streak and gets that road win. Whoa! <laughs> I love it. And why do you think this? I mean, if, if you look, that Coastal Carolina game really came down to two plays. One, unable to punch it in from the two-yard line uh, when, the, when they had it second down. And then a fumble that kind of stopped the back-and-forth uh, scoring streak that we had there in the, in the first quarter. That's really the only two plays. I think if you take that back, the Warhawks get those points. I think we're having a completely different conversation. I think Terry Bowden has the team ready to go, ready to learn from their mistakes. And this is the week that they beat the governor. I think that if that happens, that will be a total cataclysmic event in the Sun Belt West, signaling that anybody can beat anybody in the West. Shane, what's your thoughts on that? I too like what's happening in Monroe. I think they're in the right I in the right direction, but I like what's mm-hmm. happening at South Alabama more. I think I think they're the team to beat in the West right now. I think Monroe is 
going where they need to go with Terry Bowden, but I don't think this is the victory that they get. Yeah, I agree with everything that's been said here, but I, it is my opinion that South Alabama, which should be five enough, that, that dumb trick play notwithstanding, they should be five enough. I think they're one of the better teams, not in the West, but in the whole Sun Belt. I think uh, Vegas has 17 Jags. I think that's too much, but, but I think uh, Jags win this game. If South Alabama doesn't run the fake field goal, we have three Sun Belt teams <laughs> on the verge of being ranked. Like. That maybe, is absolutely. Maybe, maybe two of them are ranked. It, it, yeah, they. I, I think they're too good for for Monroe right now. I think one other factor, next Thursday, could be your de facto final for the Sun Belt West, Troy, South Alabama. Do the Jags get caught looking ahead? Ooh, ooh, wow, that is a layer that I did not anticipate. Whoa, that's a good one. All right, you know, here's my last game. Last game of the of, of the week. Arkansas State, play Arkansas State Red Wings at Southern Miss. 6 p.m. ESPN Plus. I, you know what? I'm not going to to uh, you know be partial here. I'm just going to let our ex- other experts here weigh in. And Tibbs, I'm going to let you back first. What do you think of this game? I'm, I'm waiting on the experts to show up. <laughs> well, that would be Shane. Shane, what do you think of this game? I, I'm seeing the line at about three points, which makes yeah. sense to me because I don't know. Like, I feel like both of these teams are rebuilding and they're they actually are rebuilding and getting to where they want to go and i really don't know i mean there was there were some impressive things out of arkansas state saturday against jmu um it's hard hard to know exactly what you're going to get from southern miss just with you know kind of all the holes they have in their roster but will hall is such a good coach it seems like I can see this one going either way, honestly. I'm not I, – I sound like I'm cop, copping out on this, but like, I, I do not have a clue who's going to win this game. You know, you, feel- are, you are copping out a little bit, but that game because it's tough. Uh, uh, I feel like that three points is the home point advantage in this game for Southern Miss. Arkansas State, we, we, we know who they are. We, mm-hmm. we know what they're going to look like. I think the difference is whether or not this is the Southern Miss – um, maybe the Miami game where they actually look pretty good, the Tulane game, or is this the Southern Miss uh, week one that just looked completely helpless? <laughs> you know, and they did not look good against Troy. Now, Troy is a really good defensive team, but uh, Southern Miss uh, had three exceptions, and that's something that Arkansas State just simply doesn't do. Arkansas State has three turnovers all year long. So I think that might be the deciding factor. I think Arkansas State's just a little more careful with the ball. I think they're going to hold on to the ball longer, and I think that's going to make that a three-and-a-half-point win, not for the Eagles, but for Arkansas State. And that is the end of second and short. We have crossed the goal line, and we have scored again. That's amazing. I just wanted to get a first down. <laughs> Well, we did a little bit better than that. We have scored, my friend. It's time to see your icky shuffle. All the talk of the gridiron, of course. We can't forget the pitch. We have James Madison leading the women's side, 4-0-2 on the eastern side. Texas State, 4-1-1 on the west. 
the Raging Cajuns, the lone team without a win, notched in the column 0-4-2 on the year. Nice. You got some volleyball stats? On the, on the volleyball side? Yeah. It's definitely a tale of the haves and have-nots. Coastal Carolina, perfect 6-0 and in conference. James Madison, 5-1 and in the East. We have a tie on the Western side between Texas State, South Alabama at 5-1. and Warhawks and Red Wolves, 0-6, bringing at the <laughs> bottom of the West. Uh, what's wrong with our volleyball teams, Tibbs? I don't know, because uh, the Red Wolves are on a 12-game losing streak. Warhawks only on a six-game losing streak. So I'm ready for yeah. that match to happen, and the winner gets a huge, huge trophy. Yeah, we should build one ourselves and present it in person to the winner when that happens. Absolutely. On the men's soccer side, of course, two top five teams. Number two, Kentucky Wildcats. Your Wildcats there, Jamie. Jeremy, Jamie, <laughs> whoever you are. Oh, it's really Jamie. And number four, Marshall. They don't play each other again for a while, but good to have two top five teams in men's soccer as well. And now we close out with plugs, promos, parting shots. Shane, give us what you got. I'll plug since it's not a Sunbelt sport yet, but we're going through the good ball teams here. Nationally ranked JMU field hockey. Chance to uh, get some, uh, get some, get to the NCAA tournament. I'll, I'll plug them because I haven't actually written about them lately. What conference are they in? Should. They are independent this year. They're waiting. I think they're waiting for the Sun Belt to uh, add field hockey, which sounds like it's a possibility. So, that'll, that'll is that another... a possibility? That's possible. That's what I've heard. I think they like okay. mentioned that in the meetings this summer that they were going to explore that. All right, I'd be looking for some field hockey. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, Jamie, ODU are good programs. So that's my that's my parting shot plug combo there. <laughs> that you know, just to, just to notice that there's another good team in the Sun Belt tangently Sun Belt related. Nice, Jeremy. Uh, I'll do a part. Uh, you guys like horror movies? Love horror movies. Yeah. How about you, uh, Shane? Do you like the the Halloween horror movies? Yeah, they're okay. Yeah, I always tell people that I hate horror movies. I don't like to be scared. I, I, I it's like when people like say I really like spicy food. To me, that's like saying you just like pain, and I don't like horror movies. But I find that some of my favorite movies actually are horror movies. So I'm going to ask. The two of you, give me your favorite horror movie and why. I love the Rob Zombie movie, so I'd say uh, Devil's Rejects or House of a Thousand Corpses. Ooh, okay. How about the, did you like Rob Zombie's Halloween? Uh, I didn't. It didn't add anything to the story. It was pretty much Halloween that was Rob Zombieified. Yeah, you know, you're right about that. It wasn't Halloween. Oh, wait, did you do Halloween or... Or no, he did Halloween. It wasn't uh, Friday the 13th. You're right. Yeah. Felt like uh, he didn't really, you're right. It didn't lend much to it. But yeah. Talented guy. How about you, Shane? I've got a good one. I pulled up, this is actually, this is actually relevant. I pulled up the uh, Apple TV yesterday and saw somebody had watched Jack Frost and thinking it was the old (laughs) horror movie version of that. And I was like, which kid 
watch this they're in trouble and then it was the you know stupid christmas movie one but that would be yeah, my yeah. favorite that that one's so bad it's good i like that i like the the leprechaun movies where they're just like they're you know can't be over the top uh, those those would be my favorite ones you know what shay when i was a kid those movies and like chucky and and friday at 13th and all those those th- those movies scared the hell out of me i wouldn't watch them now i love them because they're just so camping now yeah but uh, i think my favorite horror movie is the exorcist because i, I just feel like it's well done well acted the plot's really tight but recently a movie's come out that I've liked a lot. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. it. It was sort of a small budget, small release movie. It's The Witch with Anna Joy Taylor. Have you seen her? Have you seen this movie, The Witch? I haven't seen it, but I like her. Check it out. Yeah, yeah, she's really good. Check it out. It's set in the 1600s, and it's about this really pious family that moves away from the colony. And they move out near to the edge of the woods, uh, which happens to be haunted. And what's fun about the movie is they speak in this sort of 15th century parlance that you have to watch the movie like two or three times just to figure out what they said. <laughs> because they're speaking in such an old-fashioned tongue, and they're just dedicated to making the whole movie that. So if you, if you have a chance, watch The Witch. That's my parting shot. Noted. So, for Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report, Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record, Jeremy Harper of Hellraiser. See, I drew a blank of your site. Um, I'm I'm just way off tonight. We'll be back later on this week with another episode as we get ready for the mega show with the group of five guys to go over the midseason with them and talk everything G5. So, until then, 